0: Gold Stove Podcast is back. We're live from Austin, Texas. My name is Brett and I'll be your host today. NRD, how's that sound? In front of me from the rumor cave, the man, the myth, the legend. NHL Rumors Daily himself. NRD, how are you doing on this beautiful, beautiful Wednesday afternoon?
1: I'm doing great. First of all, it sounds well to me. I like when you're in the host chair. It's a little tough for me to pull the, uh, single duty as the host. That's why we need you here on this podcast. But I am pumped up for this episode. I've had it circled on my calendar for a couple of, a couple of days now because I have a lot of opinions. I'm normally the insider. I got the information. But this week in particular, I've seen enough around this league that I got a lot to say. So I'm excited to say it.
0: You got a lot to say. Let me first uh, start off by saying a little bit more of a somber note. We want to um, extend our our, our best wishes and our thoughts, our, our feelings, our, our Anything that we can offer to the community in Uvalde and Buffalo two weeks ago, obviously victims, uh, need more than thoughts and prayers. There need to be solutions. There needs to be action. And I don't have the answers. Um, I wish more people did. I wish there was more action there needs to be. And and frankly, I'm, I'm tired of as our, as is everybody, I'm tired of, you know, hearing these stories. I'm tired of witnessing people that devastated and, uh, Something needs to change. And that's there there's no doubt it's needed to change for a while, but we're behind. And uh, so I don't have the answers and and I just hope there are solutions in our D.
1: Yeah, it's a tough couple of days. This uh, between Buffalo and you know what happened in Texas hurts, and that's all yeah. I can really say.
0: So let us be a moment of levity in your day as you Doom scroll Twitter or listen to hockey podcasts or do what you may in this world. Let us bring a little bit of levity to that. So, NRD, now that that's uh, been said, where do you want to lead off? You have all of the opinions. Do you want to lead off with, I don't know, maybe the Panthers all of a sudden turning back into the pumpkin? Yeah. Or do you want to go somewhere different?
1: Let's start in Florida.
0: Let's Yikes. Go, let's go for it. Yikes is about all I can say. Um, there was a rumor after game three when the Panthers were on the brink of elimination that they went to the strip club in Tampa all sources were saying that they were there till I don't know three in the morning which you know what here's my opinion on the whole matter good for them yeah. you're down three nothing against one of the best teams in the league if not the best team in the league you gotta change something up going back to the uh, to the renaissance or going back to whatever hotel they, the, the Kimpton in Tampa was not working so guess what? Go get the boys a little loose and have Jumbo buy a round of drinks for everybody and hit the strip club for a little bit. I'm, I'm okay with that. I understand that people are not, especially given that there was a game the next day. Maybe that's a bit of an issue. I, but as long as, as long as the boys are, are ready to play by the, the next day, I'm fine with it.
1: I Listen, people don't know this. Scotty Bowman, when he coached in Montreal, that's how he used to fix the Montreal power play. He used to take everybody. To you know the clubs <laughs> in Montreal, and then they'd have the power play fixed the next day. All joking aside, it's a non-story to me. Like players are going to do that stuff. It probably happens a lot more than we know. This just happened to get reported on. It was a Tampa. Radio well, I'll go so far as to say I,
0: I know it happens a lot. Yeah, no,
1: I that. know exactly. We know it happens a lot more. It got blown out of proportion because of you know a Tampa radio station saying it during the playoffs. <laughs> Florida's down three oh in the series or o three depending on how you wanna grammatically say that um but i you you had tweeted me this and I, and many people saw it on Twitter. It had like less than five percent to do with why they got swept. They got swept because they played like shit, and Tampa looks like the team to beat again for the third year in a row.
0: They can do something that I have not seen any other teams do in the playoffs or or in the regular season for that matter and Switch into this like this next gear that uh, Jeff Merrick said it best. He's like, there's just something so intelligent about the way they play, whether it's their power play, whether it's a penalty kill, special teams, whether it's their breakouts and four checks. They, they switch it up. They turn it on. They, they stifle you with different things, whether it's scoring, whether it's defensive play, whether it's neutral zone transition game. They know exactly how to play against you, and Florida's Florida had no answers. Nothing. Andrew Burnett had no answers. They have some of the best players like Barkov, Huberto, the Barofsky, like they have guys. They have a team on paper. And that's what happens when a team on paper goes against a team on a whiteboard. If you know what I'm saying.
1: Absolutely. And, and so to that it, point, <sighs> to that point that you made and Marrick made, and I was having this conversation the other day. Tampa just They have the confidence, right? So, and I've said this multiple times on the show. I don't want to sound like a broken record, so I'll keep this short. But when you find yourself in the past two seasons winning the games in crunch time, in elimination games, Vasilevsky playing like he does. He's like, he's got seven shutouts in the last eight uh, elimination games they played in or series clinching games, I should say. Mm -hmm. You just have that confidence that you can beat anybody on any given night. And they are not the most skilled team in these playoffs by any stretch of the imagination. Like you said, they're not. But when you have that confidence, you are the best team in the playoffs because you know that you can go out there and everybody on that bench has your back and you can beat anybody in the league on any given night. So to that point, they're not the favorites because they have McCarr or McKinnon or McDavid or Drysettle. They're the favorites because they have consistently for two years now for 10 playoff series in a row. Beaten teams that are way better than them, way more skilled than them, based solely on their system and the confidence that they have in that team. They are absolutely vicious to play against the playoffs. I truly think that they are by far away the favorites not to win the Stanley Cup.
0: They lost their whole third line that everybody said, that is the secret sauce. Because that third line is so damn good, they, they do things other teams can't. Well, guess what? That third line's gone. They've just whipped up a new one, NRD. Sometimes it's about the coaching and about what they can have those players do, not exactly the players in those roles. Granted, like, love Blake Coleman, would want him on my team any day. Tampa's proven that in Tampa. But he got plug-and-played with somebody else, and it works. Now it helps to have the best goalie in the world in the playoffs – Helps to have one of the best defensemen in the world in the playoffs, obviously. But something about that team, you just can't get through them. Um, so Tampa moves on. They do. To play the winner of Carolina and New York. And I don't necessarily see that being much of a series. Do you?
1: Uh, I see. I don't think Tampa's going to steamroll Carolina or New York like they did Florida. I I to be fair, I didn't expect them to steamroll Florida either.
0: Well, yeah, I'd, I'd say Florida's the best of those three teams.
1: They're the best on paper of those three teams, but they also went 0 for twenty six to start the power play in the in the postseason. And you know, it was a good stat that Ray Ferraro mentioned last night at the on you know doing the Ranger game for ESPN that Florida, uh Carolina is now ice cold on the power play. And oh, what happened since they went like 0 for nine on the power play? They lost two games. Granted, they have their own issues of playing on the road and everything like that, but you have to take advantage of the opportunities you have in the playoffs. So, yes, Florida's the best team out of the three, you know, them, Carolina, and New York. But at the same time, they were also hampered by the fact that they couldn't take advantage of the opportunities they had in front of them, especially on the power play throughout the postseason. I think if you catch Carolina or the New York Rangers on a good stretch, I don't think it's a given that Tampa walks away with the series. I still think Tampa's the favorite. I think that they can beat down any other team left in the, you know, left in the league for that matter. But that it'll be a good series. I'm excited to see it.
0: Agreed. I I just want to go. So a point we're talking about is that on paper, Florida has a good team, which means somebody or something went wrong. And, And a lot of people have sort of mentioned that's an Andrew Brunette issue. Did you feel the coaching? Whether it was him not getting fired up until the last eight minutes of the entire series, him not having a successful power play ever, teams not playing well on the road, playing not playing well at home, going to strip clubs like not like I mentioned, I'm fine with that. But that's that starts with the coach, right? Like there's not a team that's out until three a.m. unless the coach knows about it. So. My question to you is, is this on Andrew Brunette as much as it is anybody else?
1: It has to, right? It, and I and I feel bad saying that because he was, I wouldn't say he was put in an impossible situation, but he was not the head coach of this hockey club back in November, October, November. Joel Quenville was. And then everything happened that did with Kyle Beach. And, you know, thankfully that story came to light and, you know, discipline was handed out, but Joel Quenville was the guy that was supposed to bring Florida to this point. He obviously is not there. He gets suspended by the league indefinitely. Brunette gets thrusted into the head coaching position. They played really well in the regular season. They also just out-talented teams. They out teams. Totally. They were shut out. I what was it? Yeah, last uh, game four was the first time. I think Frank Saravalli tweeted this. First time all year Florida was shut out. Which is crazy because,
0: but you know what? It made sense. We always talk about it's very hard to have an assistant coach step into the role of head coach on that same team because they're either the good guy in the locker room or maybe they're a skill guy or maybe they're, they're not the head coach. They cannot bring that same level of discipline, that same level of power. It's very hard to make that transition. Unless you're the Florida Panthers and you can steamroll people in the regular season, you kind of just have to keep the guardrails up, right? Yep. There's nothing too tremendously like difficult about taking a team that's already been built, already has a message from a head coach, legendary head coach, who obviously problems have come to light and that and, uh, makes sense. But taking over that team and keeping the guardrails on the regular season to a president's trophy or almost president's trophy?
1: No, they won the president's trophy. Did, did they win? Yep.
0: Colorado didn't. Okay. So to a president's trophy. Then in the playoffs, when things change, everybody's back at zeros. Everybody's back at zeros, so that you you lose that ability to just keep the train on the tracks. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, more fallout from that series: Joe Thornton uh, undecided on a return, and Claude Giroux expiring contract. Do you think anything interesting happens with those two names?
1: Um, it's sad to say, but I don't think I personally really care what Joe Thornton does. Um, just from an opinion standpoint, I think he's a depth player at this point. He didn't play all the series till game four. He was thrown into the lineup. It was his first game in the Stanley Cup playoffs for Florida. Um, I think he's a great locker room presence to have. I'm not discrediting Joe in his career. He's just not, he doesn't really add anything of value to the lineup per se for me. He's a locker room he's guy. He's a locker room point. guy for at sure. this yeah. point. So for him, no. But for Claude Giroux, I'm really interested to see what he does. He did say he was open to uh, re-signing in Florida. He wanted to see how things played out. The game was still fresh in his mind. But we know we know. at one point, we thought that maybe Philly would be open to it. I think Philly's a lot cooler on that now than previously thought. I think it was a clean break for both sides. Um, the more people I spoke to after and the story evolved. I still think that Giroux's heart is in this area in terms of the Eastern seaboard. Um,
0: What about the, uh, the old house he has going up in Ottawa currently?
1: There's also that in play and he could go back home to Canada. So I'm really interested to see what Claude Giroux does because unlike Joe Thornton, he played fairly well in the series against Tampa. I mean, granted the team didn't really perform to their offensive capabilities, but he generated a ton and he was on the power play and he was setting up things, you know, the best that Claude Giroux can. So I think he provides a little bit, and if you're talking about a team like an Ottawa center team that's ready to make that next step, they have the young guys there. I think he helps out a ton.
0: I do, too. I do, too. I think they're. I think Ottawa, much like a Detroit, much like a Buffalo, is closer than people think, and they're at the point where they can kind of cherry-pick a few veterans. They have the cap space to do so. It, they're, they're not going to be a Stanley Cup favorite. But they're certainly not a 62 point team anymore. They have some infrastructure there. They have a coach there. They have, well, will have, you know, new ownership in some capacity. R.I.P., com- Mr. Melnick. They're
1: but- competing for a wild card to me. I yeah. mean, you look at teams like Tampa, and not Tampa, I'm sorry, Washington and Pittsburgh, who might, it might be a changing of the old guard, and they might be going through some tough times now. Yeah. Who's going to step into those potential wild card spots? You look at the Devils, you look at the, you know, the, the Red Wings. Say it, say it, thank you. The Buffalo Sabres. Thank you. And the Ottawa Senators. So I think that we are going to see a changing of the guard in the Eastern Conference, and it's long overdue.
0: Let's go to, uh, let's stay in the East with the series we already sort of mentioned, the Rangers and Hurricanes tied at two NRD. The Rangers a little bit of mojo last night. That felt like a, if they lost last night, that series is over. Even though it was three one, I just don't think they have. It would have been a a, a very, um, like game five would have been very. It, it turned into a gentleman sweep type of thing. Yeah, um, but they're tied at two, and now anything can happen. What do you think happens?
1: I tweeted last night. I think that the team, the first team that beats Carolina on the road, should just be given the St- or them on the road. Carolina at home mm-hmm. should be given the Stanley Cup okay (laughs) because carolina is a workhorse at home they've proven it through the first couple rounds in the series all the momentum in my opinion is on the side of the new york rangers right now i still and we talked about this last week after game one of the series i believe i still am not in love with the style of hockey that the rangers have played in the third period of these games
0: this is a coaching mismatch. Let's put it out there. Correct. I think Brenda Moore is one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League. I don't think Gallant is.
1: I, so part of my opinions, because this is Opinion Day on the Cold Stove Podcast, I have a lot to say about yes. Rod Brenda Moore. So maybe okay. we'll say that in a minute. I'm just going to wrap this up by saying that I don't like the way they have played down the stretch in games. Because you could argue that in all four games of this rangers Can series, The Rangers have been the best team through the first 40 minutes. Every game. We could could argue about game game two. But every give or take game two, if this was a UFC fight, scorecard would be like 39-37 Rangers right now. But yet, Mm -hmm. Carolina's winning the fight to this point now. The series is tied. You have to go in. If you're the New York Rangers, you have to go in and steal a game five in, in PNC, in Raleigh. You just have to do it. If the Rangers win game five, I think... You know, obviously, they're the numbers favorite, right? Odds on favorite. They're up, you know, 3-2. But I think mentally, they're by far and away the favorite to win the series at that point. I think Carolina losing at home would be a real shock to the system that they have going on. Now, if Carolina comes out, plays like they do at home throughout the entire postseason, and they're up 3-2 going back to the Garden, yeah, maybe the Rangers take one with the home crowd of momentum, go to a seven-game series. But like, I have a hard time believing Carolina would lose at home at that point because they continue to win. But if you're the Rangers, you go in there and you win Game Five. I, I would subscribe to Rangers in six at that point.
0: You subscribe to Rangers in six at that point. Let's talk about your maybe unsubscription to Rod the Bot.
1: Yeah, I just, I've noticed this, and I've noticed this. And I'm going to piss off a lot of people by saying this, so I'm going to preface.
0: The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, this is piss p- piss piss off away.
1: Uh, I'm not sure. I can't speak for him, but I don't believe the following opinions represent the uh, the true thoughts of one Brett Merriman, the host of the Cold Stove Podcast. <laughs>
0: I'll I'll let you know in about two and a half minutes. Okay.
1: To me, the Canes fan base and Rod more specifically, I've never seen a fan base that's been more successful than the Hurricanes. Now, granted, they haven't won a Stanley Cup in a couple of years, but overall, the team is. We both agree. Rod Brindamore, one of the best strategic coaches in the National Hockey League. They've been very successful. That being said, I've never seen a fan base and a coach bitch and complain about the officiating so much that have also had the, the success that they've had, right? Like, there's merits for times when certain fan bases, are like, we continuously get shafted. We're the bottom barrel of the league. Big teams come in here, they kick our ass, and the refs don't help us out, right? Like, I understand that argument. We're kind of like the laughingstock of the league. I'm not gonna say a certain team that you've, root, you've rooted for for your entire life over the past couple of years, but you know where I'm getting at. But for the Canes to be as successful as they have, and yet they complain about everything, their fan base and their coach, to me, it's pathetic. It's almost like sore winter syndrome. I get it; they haven't won a Stanley Cup, but like Rod Brindamore is always angry at something. He's gotten fined twice this year for the officiating, and yet they continue to win hockey games. Like stop. And their fan base stop. It's annoying.
0: You're not a fan of the what are the, the storm surge shit they do on Twitter. Yeah, and... It's
1: just their, their social media is annoying. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say anything that's going to incriminate myself, but and I don't want to piss off too many people, but just like and I don't like Vegas's team social media either, for that matter. Both annoying, right? Like,
0: yeah, it feels it feels very. Like we're hey we're we're small market teams we need to show up some somewhere else
1: like we're an elitist class of hockey fans like we we know more we're the new era of hockey oh. fans we're the analytics of hockey fans
0: the date keeping hockey fans are the worst yeah they're hockey woke the worst. And, I, and
1: I just I think that it's bothersome to many there's a reason why a lot of people don't like the Canes team social and it just bothers me that Rob Brendemore for a coach for a very successful hockey coach and for a team that plays fantastic. He complains as much as he does.
0: Now, is part of that trying to win over his guys? Not that he hasn't. Well, I'm that's, just saying, that, is, is it? It's a valid point, uh, even if does he need even to? if it's not. Yeah, even if it's not. Like if he knows that wasn't offsides, and he's he's going to go to bat for his guys and just yell at the refs a little bit, be like, "Hey, our coach has our back." I think that's there is room for that up to a point. But I kind of agree with you that when you bitch and complain about everything, it loses some of the the luster.
1: Yeah, I just that's and it's no shame. Kane's friends are fantastic people. You know, there's a couple in particular I could think of that have been long members of the NRD squad on Twitter um, that I love and I appreciate the support. But just I don't know, maybe it's maybe I'm taking out my frustrations with the way that their team social account is run on the fans. And I don't think that's fair. So I'm going to, I'm going to round this point out by saying maybe this is misguided, misdirected, but it's just, it's just annoying. Stop already.
0: That's fair. I'm not going to, I'm not going to agree, nor I will. I disagree with you. I'll, I'll I'll middleman Brett that one. How's that sound? I um Did you think the Truba hit was anything? No.
1: And that's part, that's part of what I'm saying. Why I'm saying this yeah. today, you know, today, last night, Max Domi fell down. Now, one fan, I don't know what team they were supporting, but they tweeted me, they said, but it's still an elbow. He still led with the elbow. And I, and I agreed with that point, that, that tweeter that, that sent that to me, but they don't, by definition, they should call elbows to the chest or high shoulder area because the mm-hmm. rule is leading with the elbow. The le- the rule is not elbow to the face, just leading with the elbow period, but they don't. So knowing that they don't call it, he was going to hit him square in the chest with the elbow. Max Domi fell down. He lost his edge. He's now a foot and a half smaller. I mean, he's already tiny out there. He's a foot and a half smaller than he is already. Truba's coming across. He's already engaged. He didn't leave his feet, Jacob Truba, and he hits him in the head, and, and it's a freak play. And he's lucky. Another, you know, follower of mine pointed this out. He's extremely lucky, and we're all extremely thankful. He came dangerously close to Jacob Truba's skate to the face um, yep, after was down on the ice. So thankfully, that didn't happen. But I can't. It's such a you know, a judgment call on the ice. You can't, you can't ref by video replay on that. He was falling. He catches him there. I don't think it's a dirty hit.
0: Uh, I don't either. I'll, I'll, let me throw my opinion on that. I think that was circumstantial. That's, stuff happens when you fall down, catch an edge. He, he was already going for the hit. He couldn't stop. He couldn't slow down it. Unfortunate play happens. Not illegal in my mind, nor should it result in any uh, supplemental discipline. Correct. Um, so that's 2-2 exciting to see the rest of that series a series that is now 3-1 actually both of the, the rest of the series are 3-1 Edmonton in the Battle of Alberta goes up 3-1 last night NRD uh, our pick to win the whole thing how about that
1: yeah I they look good I still don't think the series is over in 5 I think going back to Calgary is good for the Flames uh, I think so, too. They competed hard last night. They were down 3-0 after the first, and I heard Brian Boucher on the ESPN broadcast. And I love Boucher, but he said that this this lead is almost insurmountable on the road in Edmonton. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's 3-0. It's the Battle of Alberta. Sure enough, they— and no
0: offense, they have Mike Smith back Mike there. Mike Smith so. is
1: back there. And, you know, I don't know if you got a chance to see my Twitter last night. The only Mike Smith I now recognize is the Mike Smith that played bubbles in the trailer park, boys, because Mike Smith let <laughs> me down last night as the goaltender of the Edmonton Oilers. I was extremely frustrated to see that goal go in the net, um, but it is, it is essential Mike Smith moment for that goal to go in, oh, and know. then for him to go to, to to sit up and then throw his hands and discuss and try to blame, I don't know, the Zamboni driver for letting that puck in the net.
0: Right. It, it was a weird. It's a, it was a tough night for the uh, the anti shoot it crowd because things happen when you put the puck on the net sometimes, and when. You know, you have a dark colored jersey, and the fan base is rocking a lot of navy jerseys. And you throw a puck up into the into the people. Guess what? You can lose that. And forty year old eyesight is not twenty three year old eyesight, and goes through a guy's like kind of midsection, and all of a sudden the parts the net. Yeah. And Mike Smith panic, like panic blames somebody. He's like, "What would? What do <laughs> you?" Literally, like you saw his his brain shorted out. Yeah in a 10 second clip and stuff like that happens, man. It's, it, it, I can't believe it tied the game, but stuff like that happens. Um, speaking of Mike Smith, let's, let's discuss Lucic Smith real quick. Did you see something there that, uh, I, I obviously tweeted, huh? Where, where have I seen that one before from Lucic? People were like, Oh, it's not as bad. I agree. That's not as bad. There there was, you you shouldn't be able to touch the goalies. Mike Smith is obviously a very um, what's the he plays with the puck a lot. Mm-hmm. He likes to he likes to diddle with the puck, and sometimes it leads to not always horrible well, goals. But I, yeah, exactly. He doesn't Correct. Play well with the puck, but when you're doing that, and you're Milan Lucic, who did like? Did he come in too fast? Yes. Was he trying to intimidate Mike Smith? Absolutely. Was he probably probably trying to make some kind with him? Of course. But Smith kind of gets crossed up a little bit, sort of loses an edge or catches an edge. Lucic tries to stop, sort of catches Mike Smith awkwardly, and they both kind of tumble down. But Did he run him like, like Ryan Miller? No. Ryan, that was a piece of shit hit on Ryan Miller 10 years ago, whenever it was. So I get it. But it's Milan Lucic, and when you have a reputation for hitting goalies, guess what? So, do you think goalies? Andrew Peter brought this up on uh, after the whistle, outside of the trapezoid and the crease. What level of fair game when it comes to contact should goaltenders be?
1: I think it's a step below common body checking. You should be. I able think to, you
0: should be able to put like poke check, like stick yeah, is fair game today. I think like,
1: you can do one of those poke checks where you kind of throw the stick at them and you also kind of turn the hip and like box them out to the player. Like yeah, think yeah, you should. Kinda, be able to play a little beer bit lead.
0: Beer lead contact Yo, be, rules apply to goals.
1: I think so. A beer lead contact is a perfect way to put it. To your point, I thought about this Lucic hit. I watched it like 75 times. I think Lucic knew exactly what he was doing. I think he knew. Of, of course he, he did. Hit. No, of course he did. I don't think he wasn't trying to make contact with Mike Smith, like you said. I think he knew, especially when you're a guy that, like you said, Hits goalies for a living. <laughs> you know that exact line in the sand that you can of get course. to between a two-minute penalty and a five-minute major in a game. And I think Lucic I do knows think, that uh, line very, very well throughout his career. And I think he went exactly up to that line. He's a skilled player at doing that stuff. He's done it his entire career. And give him all the credit for knowing exactly what buttons to press You know, to get the refs and the, and the other team under their skin. So I knew he hit him just enough to send him into the boards without actually like ruining his night.
0: Right. He, I mean, and Daryl Sutter, I think, put it succinctly when he said, imagine if he did run him, it would have been like if he ran him. it would have been Mike Smith sprawled out on the boards. Yeah. Even though yeah, I think Mike Smith might've contributed a little bit to that, uh the sensationalness of it. He might've felt some contact and done a little, flopping himself which why not why not Sell that you're a goalie and you see Lucic coming you know what you're doing i I do the same thing but i i do think lucic knew what he was doing i knew he wanted to initiate some contact make mike smith feel at the very least uncomfortable at the best get the puck and and sort of take him out of position but uh to to andrew peter's point i think Spear lead contact rules on goalies outside the trapezoid and outside the crease to a you know crease to a to a point, right? Because you can't poke at the puck. Like I hate when people poke at the puck with the with the glove when the when you when you cover the puck, freeze the puck, and people are coming in there slashing. I'm like, that's just such a stupid way to break somebody's hand.
1: Yeah, it's that I don't agree with.
0: Totally agree. Um, did, did you happen to win the Edmonton 5050 last night?
1: I did not. What was the uh what was the pot on that?
0: It got over seven and a half million. Unclear if that's Canadian or US, but but regardless.
1: Oh, so if it's Canadian, seven and a half million is like four bucks.
0: <laughs> I what's five and five and a half? It's it's eighty cents in the dollar, yeah. right? Is kind of how you do it. Uh, I just thought that was I, I tried to get in on it. You I will I almost shout to Nord VPN Shouts at NordVPN, a sponsor. I almost VPNed into Alberta to try to buy tickets. But I thought, I figured like if I did that, there'd probably be some sort of legal ramification afterwards. So I thought against
1: Yes and no though, because you'd probably have to be in Alberta to claim it. Now, if you did win five and a half million US dollars a flight to Alberta, a red eye that night to go claim your prize doesn't seem like that expensive at that point.
0: Not, yeah, not a bad idea at all. Um, The last point I have on that, series is that I think the battle of Alberta in the playoffs has been the most since Tampa and Florida laid an egg. I think it's been the most must-watch TV of the NHL playoffs so far. Yeah. Because you have Connor McDavid playing at a level that I I don't think I've ever seen him play at, which is saying something because he's the best player in the league. Mm-hmm. And and like the debate's over to me. Connor McDavid is the best player to put on skates in the last 20 years. 40, 50, 60. D- ever. ever. I- honestly, ever. I mean, he's better than Wayne Gretzky. Well, let's, like, that's, w- I hate having the GOAT debate. Wayne Gretzky is the best player of his era. Rocket Richard is the best player of his era. Connor McDavid is the best player to ever put on hockey skates. And it's, it's just, and that it, you know what, it's not Wayne's fault. He was as dominant as he could possibly be with the technology and the training and everything of his day but you put Connor McDavid in 1984 and he doubles Gretzky's point totals. He's he's that unbelievable. He looks he's a different caliber of player on the ice. Like it, it looks like he's playing like Wayne Gretzky was in 1980 something in today's game where everybody would have dominated everybody that plays today would have dominated playing in in Gretzky's time. Not like Wayne, but dominated. And and Connor McDavid's out doing that. So the, the GOAT debate, as far as I'm concerned, is, is over. It's done. It's not Crosby. It's not McKinnon. It's not Matthews. It's Connor McDavid. He does things with the puck, with the skates, that are unheard of. Are absolutely unheard of. Now, is he the best hitter? Is he the most intelligent? Is, no, no, no. Is he the best teammate? Like, best person to put on a pair of skates and play with the puck with a stick, Connor McDavid. Yeah, and I'm glad Done. you
1: said that because that was one of my opinions. So,
0: Oh, I'm sorry for stealing your thought. No, thumb.
1: I'm happy you said it. I'm actually more than over the moon about it because in case people didn't agree with me on the Keynes point and also didn't agree with me on this point, I didn't want to go 0 to in the hole to these, to these folks on Twitter. So I'm going to, by proxy, agree with you on this.
0: I can't wait to get the tweets from... from... Like Mark in Fairport, shouts to him and Petrov. Like, have you seen Wayne? Petrov's gonna be like, have you seen primetime Louis Erickson? Um, but no, the the, 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 it's over. The debate to me is over. Connor McDavid in this NHL playoffs is playing at a level that nobody has ever played at, ever. ever period. Ever. Period. I agree. End of story. And that team. We kind of put a a bet on Edmonton as a joke because it's sort of like, well, if uh, Drysidel and and McDavid are pumping, then who knows? But now, like, I believe in that bet now. I'm in. Because Evander Kane has scored 12 goals this playoffs. Connor McDavid looks great. Mike Smith is like, yeah, I don't know. And I, I don't love playing Cody Ceci like 25 minutes a night. But that's a team. That's a fucking hockey team. And I love, like, Zach Cassian. Going up to to Lucic when Lucic is picking on Josh Archibald, has like six inches on him and forty five pounds, and Cassian just comes in and's like, "What are you fucking doing? What are you like? This makes you look like a pussy for talking shit to Archibald." It's like, what are you? What are you fucking doing, dude? If you want to punch somebody in the face, punch me. I love that. Yeah, I love that about. So there's there's a team there. There's a team there. Um, did you see the clip though with the flames going after? Drysaddle's ankle.
1: I did, and he is hurt too. That ankle's messed up.
0: Yeah, it's not, it's not 100 for sure, but more of what? What you think about that? And when somebody knows your ankle's busted, I can't stand the slashing and shit. If you're going to the corner and you want to lean on him a little bit, fine, but you're taking fucking two hand chops at his ankle in front of the net. Like that's just that's bullshit. It's
1: bush league. It's it's something you'd see in the movie Slap Shot, like from, from right.
0: That shift yeah. looked like a movie. Yeah. Like a, a cartoon, a caricature of hockey.
1: It's just wrong. Like you said, you get into him on the boards a little bit. You know You know, if some guy's got a bum shoulder, you make sure you dump the puck into where he's got that shoulder exposed. And then you lean on him a little bit. You throw a clean check. To know that a guy who isn't known to throw the body around and really defend himself, to know that he's kind of got a bum ankle, and then after the play we're going to take two handed chops at said ankle, it's bush league to me.
0: Yeah, there's a fine line between gamesmanship and, and bullshit. Yep and that falls in the bullshit category. It like Yeah, I want to I want to say like Daryl Sutter knows better than that. Like maybe that's what happens in the 80s and 90s and that's just how the game was. But it's it, that's bullshit. No. Absolute bullshit.
1: Counterpoint. I would say it's fair game to be a Flames fan behind the Oilers bench and throw money at Evander Kane. I think that's fair. Oh, game. absolutely. Cuz that yeah, video was course. hilarious.
0: Of course, there there's stuff like there is, there's trolling, and there's like, if Entertain has well documented money issues, like he's bankrupt, right, or has been bankrupt. I think that's fair to chirp him for that. I think it's fair to chirp him for domestically abusing his wife slash like. I think that stuff is fair game, but if a guy's hurt, if Evander Kane had a broken rib. Don't two-hand him in the in the back after the play yeah. because he has a broken rib. Yep. Chirp him for squandering millions of dollars. So I don't know. I just I just wanted to point out that bush league and and I like the way Edmonton's playing and I think if they if they win that game, uh, well, yes, the series will be over yep. in Calgary. But I don't. I, I, I think Calgary. I see Calgary made, one, yeah. one last stand. Yep. Calgary
1: wins at home. It goes back to Edmonton for Game Six, where I think Edmonton closes out the series
0: uh last series before we get to the whip around is on tonight that is the avalanche and the st louis blues NRD. rd a lot of talk in this one about a certain nazim Kadri taking a certain run at jordan bennington who is now out for the series would you like to comment on that first
1: yeah um so you have your team of brett merriman's all-stars yes i for NRD's All-Stars, and yes, if we were drafting teams in real life, McDavid would be the number one overall pick. Probably picks one through 40 on both of our teams. But in sure. building a team of depth guys that we like how they play the game, Nazem Kadri is the number one overall pick on my team. Mm-hmm. I that's fair. love the way he plays the game. Has he done stupid shit on the ice before? Absolutely. That hit on Justin Falk last year mm-hmm. in the playoffs, dumb. The hits that he had in Toronto in the playoffs, stupid. Moronic. Yep. I don't feel that he was intentionally trying to injure Jordan Binnington. Sure. The shit that he's dealt with in the past, you know, 72 hours.
0: Abhorrent. Disgusting. Yep. Disgusting bullshit that people could say that stuff. And you know what? He followed up, uh, not him, Evander Kane, or excuse me, uh, Nazim Kadri, The guy who posted the, the tweet showing what he's dealing with. Followed up with people desperately reaching out to him, saying, "That's my brother. That's my cousin. Uh, he's freaking out. Can you please, please, please take these things down?" Absolutely fucking not. If you want to be a racist piece of shit in DMs, you guess what? You're going to be exposed for being a racist piece of shit in the DMs. It's just <laughs> you get what you you get what you you deserve. It
1: was so gross to me. I mean, you look at. Because I believe it was his wife who put it on her Instagram story. And then someone tweeted yeah. it out through, you know. It
0: was, it was not, not Nazim Kadri being like, look at me, look at me. He's, he's handled this like an absolute pro, like, even though that's unnecessary. No, he, he, he has could every be right to be. Going mad. public. Yeah. Right. But he just, he's, he handles it. He takes care of it on the ice, puts up a hat trick. Yep.
1: And that's what I love about him because you see some of the people sending that you mentioned, you know, people going, that's my brother, that's my cousin. I mean, it was, there were men, women, and children. Sending disgusting things to Nazem Kadri's wife and his family and himself and mm-hmm. abhorrent, like you said. But for him to go out there and do what he did and, and score a hat trick in St. Louis to do it his way, to see Jared Bednar on the bench, you know, pat him on the back and say, "Hey, listen, man, I know it's tough to take those shots from David Perron and Pavel Buchnevich that you did, but get back out there and really get him where it hurts on the scoreboard." And he did yeah, just on the that, scoreboard, and he li- He responded perfectly. I don't mind little Hulk Hogan ear, you know, hand to the ear thing. Cause he Mm -hmm. likes playing the villain. And he said as much in the post game interview, he, he knows what he's there to do. He knows that people don't like him. He's not going to, he's not going to go out there and skate around and be like, I'm so sorry. Don't hate. He knows exactly what he's doing. But at the same time, he didn't step out of line. He had every right to be pissed off. And I'm sure he was, but he took that anger and he took it out on the ice and he scored three goals in St. Louis against St. Louis. And now, you know, Vili Huso not a good playoff goalie, clearly.
0: No, that what is going on there? Eight forty-seven. You could say in the well,
1: You you can say that this series ended when Jordan Bennington left. You know, left the game. But if it wasn't already over, Nazem Kadri is now taking out the St. Louis Blues, and the series is going to be over tonight.
0: Do you think that, regardless of intent, playoff penalties slash suspensions? should be based on resulting injury. For example, should Nazem Qadri have been suspended because of the severity of Bennington's injury versus if he had gotten right up and continued to play on?
1: No, and I think that the Department of Player Safety has done that in the past, and I don't agree with it.
0: I totally agree with you, is that it should be the resulting injury, whether good, bad, ugly, etc., should not be taken into account because then it's a slippery slope. Agreed. It should be all based on it, intent and evidence of what happened, I, unless you're like trying to happy Gilmore, Gilmore somebody with your skate, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be based on intent, evidence, and the run of play versus the resulting injury. And I don't like I get that that might be like that might be tough, you know, like a hit to the head or hit to the head in that area for a guy that maybe has dealt with concussion issues in the past where a completely healthy guy wouldn't have to come out of the game or wouldn't have to miss a game because of concussion-like symptoms, a guy who's been through it before like a Crosby might have to miss a game, and so all of a sudden it the hit looks worse because of the resulting injury. But I I just don't think you can govern discipline like that because then you'd, you'd send out a fourth line guy who to go get hit by somebody and all of a sudden nope oh, your collarbone's broken we need to suspend Pavel butchnevich or or ryan strome you know and
1: that's not the like we're supposed to be handing out supplemental discipline discipline for the action not the not the aftermath of the action if that makes sense. correct right? like yeah like if I you know, Chris Simon, somebody crossed the face with a hockey stick and all he did was lose, you know, a molar and he wasn't hurt like Ryan Holwig was, because I think of that incident. The first thing that Mm -hmm. absolutely egregious that comes to mind, just to hyperbolize a little bit, if Ryan Bertuzzi is
0: Bertuzzi's Bertuzzi's number two on that
1: list, by the way, if who was that on Steve Moore, right?
0: Yeah, I forget. I just I totally forget.
1: Might have been more. Um, But like, think of those incidents, right?
0: Si- Steve Moore. Yep. Yeah,
1: Simon hits Holwig across the face with a stick. Holwig loses a tooth, but he's fine, and they start scrapping. Do we not suspend? You know, voluntary assault, voluntary attempted like manslaughter on the ice because yeah. because he was fine. Like that's, I know that's very hyperbolic, but that's kind of the point of what you you and I are making here is that regardless of the injury to Bennington, it shouldn't have been a suspendable play. It it happens. It's a freak incident. It, it happens on the ice. I don't think Kadri was per- pushed into Bennington because he was behind the defenseman. So I don't necessarily agree with you know Nazem Kadri's defense per se that he was pushed in. It was just two guys equally with force going into the net. Both of them tried to you know put the skate sideways to stop. They couldn't. They were too close. Bennington's there. It happened. That's the sport that we play, and this isn't a um this isn't a light contact sport. It's hockey. It's the playoffs. Guys are going all out for pucks, for loose pucks, for a chance to score a goal.
0: Yep, and goalies are often in compromised positions with hips and knees especially, ankles especially. It's just, it happens and it's unfortunate, but there's I don't think the intent was there, and I think the intent is what you govern, not the aftermath. Um, so I think that series is over tonight. I'm with you. Uh, I'll, pay, I'll take the over two, six and a half. Everybody's on it. Everybody's on Colorado. I think there, this is one of those like don't overthink it nights uh and you just go go win a series. Um, let's move on though, NRD. Should we whip it around? Let's go. Let's whip around the coaching carousel. What is the latest with Mr. Barry Trotz? So
1: there were some reports earlier on in the week that Barry Trotz was a done deal to the Winnipeg Jets. And I asked, you know, the source in Winnipeg. And I was told, hold your horses on that one. And I use that pun because I don't even think they have cars in Winnipeg. They do only have horses. Okay.
0: In What's the Winnipeg shots, man?
1: Um, it's kind of the stick, right? We got to keep it up, right? Um,
0: <laughs> First Columbus, then Winnipeg. It's gonna be writing NRD letters. Yeah,
1: well, gonna get close. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I had spoken to a source in Winnipeg, and it was slow down. He's not accepted that yet. The offers on the table, as I, you know, had said on this podcast last week. I don't think there's going to be places that aren't going to offer barry trotz the job it's more so barry and that's what's going on here i don't so he so let me slow this down let me slow down this point here he okay. has residence in nashville he, he never got rid of his nashville residence he stayed there in the off season even when he was with the islanders after he moved on from the nashville job into to washington and then to the new york islanders that more or less is his current home you know he's from manitoba he does spend summers out there three hours away from winnipeg um his family is there his extended family but i think we're at a point now that if this continues on from what i've heard that he hasn't accepted the winnipeg jets job i think it would take a massive change of heart for him not to take a step back and potentially only work in the front office in nashville I think that's where we're at with Barry Trots right now, from what I've heard.
0: Interesting. So, nothing is off the table anyway. I don't
1: think anything's off the table. I'm not here to say no, he's not going to Winnipeg. And I tweeted this okay. because a lot of people are like, oh, you just, you know, play in that game so then you can break the scoop three days later and be like, no, I, I will gladly go back to the people that have heard it. And I've taken bookmarks and the accounts that I heard some things, you know, in the Winnipeg circle that it had reported on Trots and the Jets. I'll give the credit when it's due. It's not about that. It's just, I spoke to somebody who I trust tremendously who had told me he, he has not accepted that offer yet in Winnipeg and that I wouldn't even say it's 50, 50, maybe it's, you know, 35 going to Winnipeg 65, you know, not. So I think that's where we're at right now with one Barry Trotz is that I think he's content to really work on the best opportunity. Otherwise he has the Stanley cup. What has that guy not done in his career? He doesn't need to necessarily coach.
0: Very true. But the offer re- remains, yeah, I Yeah, the offer sort of remains. The, if he, okay. Like I
1: said, if he wants to turn around tomorrow and have that change of heart and say, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go coach in Winnipeg. He's going to go coach in Winnipeg.
0: Sounds like there might have been a little bit of uh, people in Winnipeg got excited yeah. and wanted to run with it a little bit. I've heard, I've, I've gotten a couple like random DMs. You know, my buddy plays beer lead with so-and-so and um, heard that they're getting you know that he's he's done deal and it's like ah, I've heard there's certainly an offer there and certainly there's interest but I don't I still haven't heard it's a done deal yet and um, so I guess kind of watch that situation maybe that's one that happens after the playoffs when some people can be interviewed right whether it's a Montgomery and Philly you've talked about whether it's there's got to be a, an assistant in Colorado at this point that's going to get a look somewhere I don't even know who's on that team but Uh, assistant coaching so we'll see we'll see what happens with mr barry trotz doesn't it doesn't suck to be a member at troubadour at nashville and and just kind of hang out there and coach in the front office and do that sort of stuff for the rest of your rest of your hockey days um I, i mentioned philly john tortorella Heard he got a little bit of a, a Philly phone call NRD. Anything there that's interesting, or is that still waiting on St. Louis to sort of bow out of the playoffs I don't
1: here? think Philly's ready to jump at any point. I heard you know things that went well between Tortorella and the Flyers, believe it or not, and I'd, I actually don't hate the fit as much as some others do. Tortorella, the the persona that has been built up by the media and the actual coach, John Tortorella, I think are two completely different things, um, two completely different people. I don't hate the fit in Philadelphia for John Tortorella. As do we know that Rick Tocket, I think, at one point, if not, is already interviewed for that job, or will speak to uh, Philly Elliott and mention as such, and we had said that a couple of weeks ago on this podcast. I don't think Philadelphia is ready to to make a move tomorrow. They're going they spoken to Trotz over the phone once. They might even bring him in. I mean, Barry's that's part of, you know, my point that I was making on Barry. He's on the Barry Trotz around the around the league tour he's just gonna go everywhere listen to everybody and really make that decision so philly might still meet with trots montgomery's another name that i've heard that they're will, you know they want to they want to speak to like we said last week so i don't get the sense that philly's in a rush but they can't go wrong with anybody that's been reported to them at this point in my opinion i think that the chuck fletcher and dave scott in the front office there are committed to uh to taking their time to getting this hire right in their minds at least and that's up to the fans to determine how much they trust those guys to make the right hire
0: we shall see there. A couple other places that you don't have to comment on, but I wanted to see if you had anything, and that is Dallas, Vegas, and Detroit. Anything intriguing about those three, whether it's a name, whether it's a style, whether it's an ownership thing, does the GM get to pick, et cetera? Anything about those teams that you're watching or any smoke around there?
1: So we haven't really talked about the Detroit job, but I think that's... Largely in part to Steve Eisenman. Um he moves yeah. in silence like G and Lasagna. Shout out to uh, to Weezy. Um, that's just the type of general manager he is. I think that the Detroit job is the best job on the market, but yet nobody's really talking about too, it man. because of you know the way he conducts his business. So I don't expect anything that I hear from from Detroit for that job. Dallas, they let go of everybody on that staff. I really like Rick Tockett potentially in Dallas. Um, I'd give him a look. I like the style of coach he is. I think he'd mesh well because they got a little bit of everything in Dallas. They got guys like Pavelski, but they also got the young guys in Jason Robertson, um, who is a 200-foot player. He plays both ends of the ice really, really hard, so I love him. And then, as far as Vegas goes, I will throw my hands up in preface by saying I know nothing. But, I tweeted this out the other day. <laughs> Elliot had mentioned that one team in particular, wouldn't mention the team, called the league office. Um and asked about the eligibility of John Quinville, Joel Quinville. I'm sorry. John's his son, I think. Wouldn't it be ironic, don't you think, (laughs) that...
0: It's like rain, NRD.
1: On your wedding day. If Coach Q and Vegas was the match, and Vegas was that team calling to see about the eligibility of Coach Q.
0: One could say even the City of Sin... How about that uh, that's
1: a That's better than what I've done, so I give you kudos on that.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting. It's certainly a, uh, you know, I, I I guess we just have to kind of see where the fallout comes with, with Quenville and where the NHL falls on it and where the victims of that stuff are and, and in life and if there's remorse and what, you know, there's a lot to be litigated on that front. Maybe not literally, but certainly in the public sphere. In the court of public opinion, if you will. Um, so that's the coaching carousel. More updates, I'm sure, as teams fall out of the playoffs. More updates as we get closer to the NHL draft and trades start heating up again, et cetera, et cetera. Because if you're a GM without a coach, you need a coach to build a style, and and you can't build a style without the guys to do it, so you gotta talk to them. So well, I'd say a good time period is after the Stanley Cup has been awarded and before the NHL draft for coaching hires. I agree. Love keeping an eye on Eiserman though, because he hired a, jo- a guy named John Cooper who did pretty well. Yeah, I down in Tampa I would be
1: surprised to see him do something that we haven't heard completely off the box. Not one of the list of candidates. It's
0: gonna be. It. it I really think it's gonna be an out of the box. What tonight.
1: about Benoit gruel
0: again? Don't know him. Coaching
1: uh, Syracuse with the Crunch for a while. He was in the organization when Stevie was there as a the general manager. I could see. Th- I could some see love, it. I could um, see it. Was in the mix. Was in the early mix for the Montreal job, and uh, was hired by Steve Eisman to run the Syracuse Crunch.
0: I could see it. Um, what when did John Cooper get to Tampa?
1: That's a good question.
0: Because I wonder, like, how how ready was Tampa? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Um, so Tampa, he got there in the end of, so 2020, 12, 2013 season in Tampa. So that was the, uh, the lockout year ended the, remember the, the season began on like January 6th or whatever, Yep. January 12th, missed the playoffs that year. And then playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. Missed playoffs but had a 42 and 30 record. Playoffs, playoffs, Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup, playoffs. So it call them, maybe they weren't a win right this second team. The first year 2013-14 they lost to Montreal in the first mm-hmm. round. But they were they were certainly a, you know, a, a Buffalo, a Detroit, a New York Rangers who are ready cusp, for that though. next yep. step. Yep. On the cusp. So I guess we'll find out. Now, what's funny is you mentioned that Benoit rule, Syracuse Crunch, do you know who the head coach of Syracuse was in 2012 and 2013 up until the end of the lockout? No. John and Cooper. And there you go. I like that NRD. Good tying up some of those ends. Uh, okay. Whip around time. Amherst are down 2-0, NRD. They need a need a win tonight. Need NRD vibes at an all-time high for the Rochester Americans.
1: Question, are they undefeated when we talk about the Amherst on this podcast and I give them my support? Absolutely. So let's go they Amherst. They absolutely are. I roll Amherst, roll. Go Rochester. Get it done tonight. Peyton
0: Krebs, R2 Ratzelainen, Jack Quinn, Matthias Samuelson, Aaron Dell, the boys are are good. They have to be buzzing tonight against the Le Le du Laval or whatever you call them up there. Um, the PWPHA interesting news and Billy Jean King Enterprises have reached an agreement in uh, of sorts to provide fifty five million dollars over the next couple of years to form a new women's hockey league. Big steps being taken here on our day. Uh, What's say? It's a you? massive
1: investment. Which is what they were it seeking at, at, through, you know, Jeff Merrick's reporting. They were looking for anywhere from fifty-two to fifty-five mil. Um, obviously, a trailblazer in her own right, right? Billie Jean King, one of the first major, major female uh, athletes, marketable female athletes in this country. So, really yep. cool to see her involved. Um, I know there's like it, it, there's a line drawn, right? And there's two sides: There's the PHF and the the PWHPA. Really excited. I want to say that carefully to see where this goes. Hopefully, one day, we can see all of the best women's players under one I know Have to. You have you to. You have to. You really have to. That being said, though, I, I and I hate to discredit the PHF, but if the PA, uh, the PWHPA, can get their stuff together here with Billie Jean King and you know create a league, I'd have a hard time seeing the PHF competing only because not necessarily the talent. Wise that they're not as good in the PHF because they are They're tremendous players in the PHF. At PHF and I think the highest female pay, uh, highest paid female hockey players, is in the PHF, the Toronto Six. But you know the marketable names, the names that we know, the Kendall Coyne Schofields, the Hillary Knights, the the Marie Philippe Poulin's that we've seen in the Olympics that have been marketed in both countries over the years are in the PWHPA. So I think they'd have a much easier right. time growing their league just based on the marketability of the players that they have.
0: Totally agree. Totally agree. And I'm glad I, I mentioned this months ago on this podcast that the PWHPA felt very, what's the like very traveling circus. There was no, the, the teams didn't have like, it was the secret dream tour, which is good to get players in front of people, but the allegiance was mm-hmm. tough. You had allegiance to names, not necessarily teams. Creating a league will give you geographic allegiance. It'll give you player allegiance to, and then you can be a fan of their team, et cetera. So exciting news to see there. I think the first domino in sort of a league versus league, uh, or, or or coming together of the leagues, right, would be a, you know, the winner of the PWHPA league. Versus the winner of the phf league play in some sort of big tournament it's
1: how the super bowl started it's
0: a, right exactly exactly so maybe we'll see that um do you still not care about the world championships as much as i don't care about the world I championships
1: i could not give less of a shit brett
0: Sam, <laughs> uh march jordano two-year extension in toronto 800 grand aav there big
1: time hometown discount right oh Definitely. yeah that's
0: a that's a player who wants a cup you, all this
1: he you know he's getting up there in age, and continuously gets there up there in age. But played solid in Toronto; we could have easily gotten 1.2, 1.3 on the open market. So it took less; it took four hundred k less.
0: Totally agree. I, that might what is, that, that might mean something for Liliagren, Sandine, etc. We'll figure that out as time goes on. Uh, Kevin Weeks rumored to be in the mix uh, for the San Jose Sharks general manager job, reported by San Jose Sharks. Now's shang Peng. What do we have here, NRD? Is he finally going get to get the chance, or is this another Weeksy interview?
1: It's another Weeksy interview, as far as I know right now, but I have sources extremely, extremely close to the situation. Take that for what you will. Okay. Tell me that this is a genuine opportunity. And that. I love that. You know, listen, I'll, Kevin Weeks deserves a shot. I think he is very well connected around the National Hockey League, very smart. Very talented as an evaluator of, you know, especially goaltenders but hockey players. I think he's well-deserving of the opportunity if San Jose gives him the offer.
0: Totally agree. Would love to see it. Uh, I think he would do a good job. I would miss the breaking news uh, updates, though.
1: What if he breaks his own news?
0: I love it, you know. Uh, hey, not a bad idea. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it starts something around the league. You see, like, Steve, Steve Eiserman and Joe Sackett breaking news and their selfie smartphone sticks uh last but not least i'm a huge fan of tim peel at this point you see he offered to buy anybody who went to Obi clark's a beer uh two I, nights ago last night I whenever did. it was
1: it's a good makeup call for uh <laughs> oh for being the ref that he was and how many fan bases he screwed over over the years i'll buy you a beer it's the makeup call
0: wow we will end the podcast there nrd anything else before we jump out nope of
1: i think i got my opinions off i hope i didn't offend any you know good people of Carolina too much because I do like you fans. Like I said, maybe it was a little misguided towards the team's Twitter account and they don't represent all of you. So
0: there you go. Uh, sorry. Any Wayne Gretzky fans. I also offended Conor McDavid is the best player to ever do it. That'll do it for us. Uh, Adam, thank you on the ones and twos behind the scenes and we'll see you guys next week. See you.